Welcome to the Star Singer Podcast. I'm Tiffany, and I'm here to help you to transform your singing into standing ovation-worthy performances and auditions. You can be cast in your dream role, and you can give amazing performances and feel confident about how you sound. So let's do this. I'm super excited for today's episode with Kara, and Kara's going to be talking to you about all the things. We're going to talk about how to balance your musical career because we all know that sometimes when you are doing something that you love, um, just most people don't in the creative industry just don't make all of their money doing one thing. And we talk about how to balance all the hats, spin all the plates, that kind of thing. We also talk about the many opportunities and ways that you can make money doing what you love, singing. And you can also kind of, you don't have to be singing. Like, you can do work that impacts what you love, right? We talk about balancing all of the many potential jobs that you could have doing what you love. And about getting creative, like bartering and thinking outside of the box. Now, as a performing singer, you are a business. You are a product, and we talk about being proud of what you sell and taking yourself seriously, and we talk about how to create more relationships for more referrals and more performing opportunities, and Kara has, like, some amazing stories about just how this, like, weird things, you know, with networking, you know, like she'll meet someone and then boom, like all of a sudden she has like multiple performance opportunities. So her stories are like much more eloquent than that, but you're really going to enjoy it. So let's go. Hi. Uh, So my name is Kara Hanson Jeffrey, and I am really excited to be here. Um, I am a consultant for a music technology company uh, called Digital Publishing Inc. I am also a veteran teacher of over a decade. I teach voice and early childhood music education and beginner piano. Um, I'm an expert in balancing music careers Um, and I'm really excited to share with you some of the insider information on music technology and just balancing a life in the arts and uh, really branching out from what I find um, is the monotony of a traditional teacher performance model um, that I was taught in school. Um, so I'm happy to be here with Tiffany to chat a little bit with you guys um, and and hopefully answer some questions you may have. And um, yeah, so it's good to be here. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. We're so excited because like you said, a lot of performers are thinking, oh, it's a two-way street. Like I'm going to be performing some and when I'm not performing, I'm going to be teaching and that's all there is available for me. Yeah, black and white, black and white. Yeah, and I know that a lot of singers here don't really want to be teachers. Um, I mean, for me, I wanted to be a teacher, but I wanted to be also good at my craft. A lot of the singers here want to perform. They want to get their voice out there. And there will be times like Easter and Christmas where they're working and the money's coming in. But there's also going to be 
some of those other times where they need to get creative or to find a passion that's not just singing. So could Absolutely. you explain a little bit more about that? I mean, you have a lot going on and yeah. <laughs> you're balancing I mean, it all. Yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, the a great word is balance, achieving a healthy balance. I <laughs> definitely was a gigging musician for a solid 10 years. Um, just like you said, Easter, Christmas, I worked um, over the series of 10 years, four different church jobs, sometimes two different church jobs at a time. I ran a nonprofit um, organization as the president for two years in North Dallas. I was the founder and the president, and that was a big that was a big project to take on. I, I hired and trained the faculty and that was a learning experience because it was like a manager type teaching position. And it was my first teaching position and I was a performance major. So I wasn't super enthused um, with being in a teacher role, but like you said, I paid the bills. And um, I was currently going to the University of North Texas and I was being trained in operatic singing and I would drive out to my, you know, my job every day. And I would think, God, I got to be near these kids. And they were age group five to nine. So uh, it was a big difference in between my daytime and my, my evening job. But I discovered that music to me um, changed when I was with the children. I was developing uh, social skills. I was developing patience. I was developing planning organizational skills. I was developing a rapport with the parents. So I was starting to see that the teaching, although I wasn't enjoying like the actual interaction with the children as much, I was enjoying some of the life skills I was building. So the teaching kind of chose me and I was like, okay, well, this, this makes sense for me. So for over the course of 10 years, I became I began a teaching career and I did graduate with my performance degree as well. So I would say I was teaching half, maybe 30 hours a week. And then I was performing through churches, primarily a lot of weddings, um, some cover band gigs um, and a lot of funerals. So primarily liturgical music, pretty standard for a classical singer, but I also had kind of a Broadway musical theater voice and I did some of that. Um, but most of my, heavy paying gigs were liturgical. Um, then I really shifted um, about four years ago into teaching full-time. Um, I will tell you this, there, there's a real thing called teacher burnout, especially for us voice coaches. As far as your voice and the mechanism itself, when you take on teaching 50 hours a week, which was for me over 70 children per week, 70 individual lessons. I was scared I had nodules. I was getting scopes often. It was exhausting. And I do not recommend anyone take on that many students. And so once I realized in order to make enough money as a teacher, I had to take on a lot of clients. I finally started to say, what else can I do with my skills? And I started to look around me and I thought, what else can music majors do? And so I really started to read um, and voice. Uh, I, I looked at blogs. I looked at Facebook groups. And I was like, what are these other music professionals doing? And I started reading and researching. And then I ran into music technology. 
And I'll tell you more about that later. But that was kind of where I was for the last decade was kind of, and if you want me to elaborate, I'll let you follow up with some questions. But I, I kind of did this balance between the traditional model for about a decade. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I love church jobs. I mean, you talked about church jobs and a lot of times it doesn't really, I mean, they're pretty open if you're going in to sing as a ringer. So even if it's not like your denomination or your place of worship, like you can still do it and you can still enjoy the music and it usually pays really well. So can you talk a little bit more about that and then how you got into um the, the funeral singing is also interesting mm-hmm. as well. Was that through developing a relationship with the church or how did it that was. come okay. It was. It was developing community relationships. Um, also, whenever um, family and friends and students and parents and teachers and um, I even started doing some gala work. So like people would have a gala and then I became an MC for one nice event Um, so I started like hosting. So I really didn't do much singing in that job. I was just talking. And I, and I also developed that I had an ability to talk in front of crowds because I mean, we can sing. I mean, if we can get up and sing arias in 17 different languages, getting up and introducing people and pronouncing names for awards is nothing. We don't have nerves for that. So I, I was like, Oh, you need me to talk for a two hour gig and say a, a paragraph or two, that's no problem. Oh, you're going to pay me $400. Oh, that that's easy. You know, so a, a gig that's a talking gig, like a speech, a public speech or an announcer or a DJ that, I mean, a DJ that just clicks buttons on songs, not an actual spinning DJ, but something <laughs> like that. I mean, that's not a hard transition for someone like us. Um, because what we do is quite difficult compared to that, in my opinion. Not for everyone, but I'm just saying that's kind of an avenue that I, I started to look into. Something that's a performance-driven industry that doesn't require a skill set that's totally different than the skill set we already possess as performers, you know, in, in quite a difficult field. But as far as the, um, I also did some nursing home gigs. So the nursing home would would even set aside a little bit of money to have us come in. And then actually I decided I was going to do that volunteer because I felt like from the bottom of my heart, I wanted to do that volunteer. And that was my choice. They actually did work on a pay. So most nursing homes do pay for that. Um, but I wanted to start bringing my students to that. So I wanted my kids to give back. And so that was just a personal choice. But actually nursing homes, they really want live music. And if you just approach them and say, hey, I'm a singer, I've got singer friends, you know, they're not normally a a real high paying gig, but it's a great opportunity. It's super um, heartwarming. You feel like you're doing something really good for these people. They love it. I mean, it's the most warm and happy and appreciative audience you sing for ever. Um, so with the funerals, it's, it's a very unique experience because you're offering a service to a family that really needs it. And you are such an important part of that service. That was normally through friends or family or the church. They, especially Catholic churches, you do a lot of funerals. So if you're in a Catholic or a Lutheran church, like I was, you do a lot. And then also with weddings, typically if you're a, like a cantor for a Catholic church, a wedding's going to pay at least $150 per wedding. And you might sing 
four songs. Like you might sing 20 minutes. You might be there a max of an hour. You might have a 30 minute rehearsal. So $150 for a total of maybe a total of, you know, an hour, half of work. That's good money. So I would definitely recommend anybody listening. Um, if you want to check out a good paying job, go for the Catholic church. In my experience, the Catholic church was a really high paying job compared to some of the other churches. Also, you know, the bigger the church, uh, normally, normally the, the bigger the money on, and the budget for their music program. That's not always the case, but normally they have a larger budget for the musicians. So um, if you have the opportunity to, you know, interview and sing for a bigger church, that's normally a good. A yeah, good that's definitely great. And then you were talking about the nursing home that like really kind of like fills your bucket because you were talking about the burnout and the teachers get. Yeah. So it's nice to kind of, you give so much. It's nice to just get back a little bit from all that you're giving as a performer. Yeah. Yeah. And sharing that with those people who, I mean, they sit there all alone and some of them never see people and some of them, all their friends and all their family are gone and they literally, you know, they might have church once a week and that's it. And so when they hear live music, I mean, that's just so special. You just, we, we're teachers. We do it all day long. We create music, we create art. We kind of take it for granted how special what we do is. And when you see the looks on these, um, it, it almost tears me up. When you see the looks on these seniors' faces, it's just, it's, you realize how special what we do is, you know, so I really encourage anyone to, you have nursing homes all over every city and every state. So I encourage you to get involved in that for sure. Well, and it's powerful too, because, you know, you'll ask them, you'll, you'll sing and then they'll be mouthing all the words to every Elvis song ever. And then you ask them their name and they, they can't tell you their name but they knew all of those lyrics, like something triggered it. And that's just really cool. It's the easiest gig you've ever prepared for in your life, because all you have to do is like play basic chords. They all have pianos and you can play like somewhere over the rainbow or like you, you don't have to, it's all pieces, you know, and you can just pick anything from the 1940s, fifties and sixties. And it's super easy. It takes no preparation on your part at all. And, and actually, uh, that's perfect because the audience is so forgiving, you know, so you don't have to be nervous if you're just getting started. It might be a really good place to start. <laughs> it's a great place for your students who have never performed before because you can actually tell them, look, little Billy, most of them will be asleep and the others <laughs> can't hear very good. So if you mess up, they can't hear you. They're going to still smile. And then they just laugh and they're like, okay you know and so it's truly is the most like constructive environment for your students as well so yeah, uh, so, yeah. that's awesome <laughs> could you talk a little bit more about your duties and responsibilities in the nonprofit and what your nonprofit school was sure so my nonprofit was called neat beats and it was um it was sponsored by the methodist church um who um a grant that they so generously gave the John Calvin Church in Dallas, and they gave me the responsibility with creating a budget, and they wanted to create a community outreach to the children in um, this area in which it was kind of underserved and had about a 40% poverty rate. They couldn't afford um, lessons, they couldn't afford daycare, they couldn't afford 
any kind of extracurricular. So we had um, children that were classified as low income that would come and we had about 15 children. They would come twice per week for two hours and uh, they would get music instruction. They would have a craft section um, and then they would have another portion that was snacks that was provided and then they would have a Bible lesson. And the Bible lesson was just very simple. You know, the Bible stories, everybody knows. Um, there was never pressure put on anyone, but just a simple Bible lesson. The parents were aware, you know, we're not evangelizing. We're just, this is just part of the outreach of the program. And, you know, there's no obligation for y'all to be involved in the church, but this is just part of, you know, our outreach. And everyone was totally in love with the program and it ran for two successful years. Um, some of my responsibilities were to balance the budget, to make sure everybody got paid, um, to make sure, um, obviously that the staff was keeping up with sanitation, was keeping up with, you know, the instruments and everything being organized. I mean, keeping sanitation of basically like, it was basically like a daycare. And so it was, it was a lot of responsibility for two teachers to really keep this entire room organized because there was a preschool that was actually active. And then our section was active in the evenings. And then also we had to do a lot of um, fundraising as well. So I was in charge of fundraising. So we did dinners and we did concerts. And so then the children actually got to perform at the church. They did handbell choir and they, that was cute. We had to figure out how to do handbell choir with five-year-olds though. So that Ooh. was creative. <laughs> Some of the bells are bigger plastic. than them. <laughs> well, we, we used the little color bells that were encased in plastic so when um grayson threw it across the church and it hit the floor everyone just laughed because it was plastic so <laughs> so it was it was a good experience i mean i think i learned as much from them as they did me for sure um but uh yeah the the nonprofit was a lot of fun eventually the funding ran out um because you know we were only charging the parents i think it was i think we charged them 20 a month for eight lessons per month so and it it's really almost affordable. kind of like kind of like daycare as well. Like it was daycare I mean, as obviously well. Obviously, you're doing more, but when you just think of it that way, that can be so expensive. It was four, so it was four hours. Day. It was four yeah. hours a daycare per week. Yeah. Yeah. And the parents also used it. Um, we would do a date night as well. Like we would offer them, if you want to pay twenty dollars, you can drop off all your children and your friends' children, and we would we did like a Valentine's Day date night to raise money for the program. And so we would have like, oh my gosh, one night we had like a movie night and I think we had like 30 children <laughs> and we had sleeping bags and we played movies and um, yeah, so we, we had lots of creative ways to keep the program going and it was really great. My, my assistant director was a music ed student and it gave her a lot of valuable experience and we had to get really creative because the materials, we, we couldn't afford to buy materials. We had to make them. So I remember we actually went to Joanne's and volunteered to work at Joanne's for eight hours and they allowed us to fill up our basket full of craft supplies for free and take them out in exchange for our work. Um, and that's how we funded all the craft supplies. So it was really cool. That is really, really cool. Creative. A lot of learning. Yeah. Yes. And a lot of different learning, learning sets and you don't have to be stuck in one mindset. And it sounds a lot like a lot of fun and you gain a lot of experience. Like when you went to Joanne's and you just asked, like, what's the worst they can do? Say no. Like, Say and no. then now exactly. you have that and you can use that. Kind of my mantra. <laughs> it's 
kind of my mantra in life. The worst they can say is no. <laughs> and don't let that, yeah. And again, as a, as performing artists, like we're used to rejection. Like it's not a big deal. The more, like, the more you fail, so the it. more you win. The more you fail, the more you win. You have to be willing to hear no to hear yes. I mean, I think there's a really famous Michael Jordan quote that he's, he's not the most successful basketball player in the world. He's the most, he's the most willing to fail. He has missed more shots than anyone in, in the history of basketball. And that's why he's sunk the most in because he's willing to fail the most. And I love that quote because that's, that's the way we should all look at failure. Yeah. Super cool. So what has been your favorite job ever? Or your so, favorite paying gig ever? My favorite paying gig ever. And why? My, okay, so my favorite paying gig ever was probably a gala I did for an Indian carom board tournament. So it was a, a student of mine's parents. He was the president of this, it's this Indian board game. And they were hosting, they had a TV crew from India that was there that was that was um, like broadcasting it back in India. And it was a gala for a thousand people. They dressed me in traditional like Indian half sari. They dressed my fiance at the time. We were head to toe decked out. I'm talking bindi and the braids and the bangles and, and henna. I mean, I looked like an Indian princess and I was their performer and their MC. And uh, I performed um, something from Albert Herring. I performed some foray. And so I was in like a traditional Indian Foray gown. and a sorry. <laughs> and a half sorry I'm performing foray. And, um, the, and the audience just loved it. They're all eating. It smells like curry. And I love Indian food. It smells amazing. And uh, I definitely felt like an Indian princess. And what was so cool about it was that I had at least 15 people come up and were like, do you have business cards? Do you teach voice lessons? Can you do this? And after that gig, I had so many referrals, so many calls. And Jay, the, the person who had hired me, the president was like, I want you to put business cards on every single table because people are going to want them. He was right. I mean, they did. So it was cool how this one gig really opened up a lot of opportunities. So that's another thing I really encourage network. Like you are a product, you are a service, you are a business. So be proud of your business, be proud of what you have to sell because your talent is your business. And that's, that's another thing I'll go into is one of the best things I did. Um, two years ago, I became an LLC. If you are a voice teacher and you are in any way, shape, form, not an LLC and you get 1099s or you're self-employed, spend the $1,200, spend the $1,500, however much it is in your state, become a self-employed business. Your tax break alone the first year or the first two years is going to astonish you. I mean, the kind of tax benefits I receive in my pay bracket and the kind of write-offs I'm able to take as an LLC is amazing. So now that I am a business, I mean, I'm an LLC, I'm a business, it is so helpful. I wish, looking back at my life and how much I've paid in taxes as a self-employed musician, I really regret that. So anybody who's just venturing out and saying, okay, well, I'm paid in cash or I'm paid in checks, please. I know it sounds like a lot of money to do that, to set up an LLC, trust me you're going to save 
$2,000 your first year filing your taxes the way you file them. So that's definitely a piece of advice I want to stress to everyone. You'll thank awesome. me when you have $10,000 more in your pocket <laughs> in five years. So how on earth did you even get that gala gig? How did you, like, how, where did that opportunity come from? Because I'm sure people are yeah. interested in hearing like, okay, that sounds nice, but how do I do that? How do I find that? It was teaching. It was teaching. It, I mean, teaching has really brought a lot of gigs. And then gigs have brought me a lot of students. So um, ironically, a lot, I mean, then I, I've had students that have brought on birthday parties even that I've sung at birthday parties. And um, I, it's, it's interesting how the relationships in which I've built through teaching have kind of gone back and forth. And then also the referrals. I mean, people who have had me as a, as a teacher will refer me to their friends and they'll say, oh, well, she's got a beautiful voice. So my current job, actually, I'm a voiceover for audiobooks. I do Spanish English audiobooks. I read. So I get on the microphone and I sound super relaxed and smooth. I'm not using the voice I'm currently using and I'm doctored up and I sound really gorgeous on that. Um, Are you a mezzo? I am. You can tell. <laughs> um, so I you have a I, sultriness. <laughs> I do have, I have that mezzo voice. And so on my, on my, uh, thank you. On my audiobooks, um, I actually went in for the interview because a friend of a friend knew I was a singer and they knew I had taught and they're like, Hey, I know you're looking for a voiceover. I've, I've never heard her sing, but I know she's a voice teacher. So then the friend of a friend called this person 7 a.m. the next morning, I'm in downtown Dallas in an office building. I have an interview for the voiceover job. And then just networking ended up with my technology job now. So now the current career I'm in, music business, all came through the audiobooks, all came through the referral because somebody knew somebody in the industry. So really, my best advice, get on LinkedIn, make as many connections on LinkedIn send emails, just make connections. And also Facebook is a great connection. Get on the, get on the voice teacher forums and start posting, start commenting, especially to people local in your community. Make friends with your teachers, attend the conferences and don't be shy. Bring 500 business cards and pass those out. Like get your name known. If you, if you say, oh, I do know Kara, people know my name around here, just because I talk to people and just because I'm friendly and when they know your name, it's a really good thing because then people just, oh, I know she did that. Or yeah, I know I'm familiar with her. If they're familiar with your name, that's just a good thing. Um, so I think in this industry, if you're just not shy, that'll really help you get more gigs. If they just kind of know of you, that really helps you, you know, networking really, really helps you. You don't even yeah. need an agent, you know, you really don't need an agent. I don't think. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've had some great experiences over the last 10 years. What are you doing right now? So right now I'm in such a, a strange uh, time in my life. I'm actually currently leaving teaching. I've decreased in the last year from six days a week to my cute little, my little studio in, um, the public school system. I'm here um, two days a week. Um, 
and I'm currently leaving teaching. I am working for a technology um, company that's developing a music application um, called DPI, and they're developing an app called Practice Pal, which is going to help students practice. Because I think my number one problem for my students that I've seen me teaching in the last 10 years has been they don't know how to practice and they don't practice well and I don't see a lot of progress with that and so when I was brought into the voiceover job which was so much fun they I found out they didn't have anyone really coordinating and networking their music project and I stepped in and was like we got to get this going we got to call in some friends and some favors and this is a great product I really think this can help people this can help teachers this and Lord knows anything that can make teachers' jobs easier, like we need it. It's especially like we're performers. Like what if, you know, this happened to me so many times, like I have a gig tonight at 9 p.m. I have to sing until 2 a.m. And what am I doing? I'm teaching all day. I'm warming up people. I'm singing all day. And then by the time it's 7 p.m. and I'm done teaching, I'm, I'm dead. My voice is gone. So then I have this gig, I have this choir concert, and then I'm going out to dinner afterwards, you know, and our voices are shot, and we just can't do it. We just can't do it year after year after year. Well, and so a lot of times people are thinking, like, I mean, you're a professional, like, you are a trained opera singer, like, you're using your voice well. Your technique is good. It's not just that we use our, like, our physical bodies are tired, and it makes it yes. so hard on the voice. So we're human. Yeah. Yeah. We're human. Like, and, and we wake up early because we have to get things done in the day because like, you know, normal human beings do like laundry and our normal, you know, cause we teach so late at night, you know? And so I, I completely agree. So we, we have our normal morning routines usually where we have to do, you know, our normal household and, errands and then we're teaching for most of us I think the normal teaching schedule is probably three to eight then I used to have a lot of I was in a professional choir for a number of years and I, I toured Asia um, you know China Taiwan Korea and and that was very hard you know another reason why I left performing I can't live out of a suitcase it's not the life for me um, but what happened was I would find myself at the end of my teaching day drained just drained vocally, drained mentally, and then I would have to go do a show. And it was really hard. So when I found about this app that would play music for me, that I could stick here and say, sing <laughs> with it. And I don't sing. And it wasn't lazy. It was like I was giving a perfect sound for them and I was allowing them to sing with the voice or even my voice recorded. I was like, okay, this, this can help me and be an aid for me. So that's when I got involved and I was like, okay, I'm gonna make a bigger impact on my students. And I'm gonna go ahead and shift my teaching model. I'm gonna see. So right now I'm currently seeing if I can make a bigger impact in the teaching community through technology. I'm gonna see if I can take technology and put it into teachers' hands and put it into students' hands and see if I can have a ripple effect and make people's lives easier and not have them struggle the way I struggled for 10 years with practice and with burnout, physical and mental burnout. Because I would really like for my legacy to be bigger than just my studio. You know, I want the things that I'm passionate about to perhaps reach 
thousands of students or tens of thousands of students. And I'm hoping that Practice Pal can do that. But, you know, for now, um, you know, in a couple of days, I'm headed to TMEA, which is the Texas Music Educators Association Conference. And um, I'm going to talk to some people. I'm going to network. I'm going to talk to some publishers and we're going to see how that goes. But I encourage people who are listening to really, really start thinking about your brand. Think about yourself as a musician, as an artist, as a performer. You are a brand, you are a service, you are a product, you are so much more than just a singer or a teacher. You, you, are, you are a business, you are a business entity, and you are capable of so much more than this narrow little track they put you on in, in school, performance, education. It's all you are. No. And it took me 10 years to figure out, no, I can do hundreds of things. And it took me a while to figure out, I don't need a music business degree to do music business. I don't need a technology degree to do music technology because I've, I'm now working for a technology company who said, I need a musician. I've got the code. I've got the IT. I don't read music. I need you to come tell me what to do with IT and tell me where all of my code needs to line up. I don't know where to put this note, but you read music and you can tell me where to put this note. So remember, the more you network, the more you're gonna see these opportunities present themselves. So I'm, I'm really a believer in the more friends you make that no stranger is a stranger. That's always an opportunity to be a friend. And I have met so many people like, I, some of my best students who have been students for like eight years, I met at grocery stores or I met at like a marble slab ice cream store. And I was just like talking to them, gave them a business card. I like business cards. And then they ended up being like lifetime students and they're still my friends. And then they ended up being roommates. And it's so funny how um, I'm just a real, I know that sounds really pushy that I give everyone business cards, but I think it's just like a social thing. I talk to people, I say, Hey, if you ever want a voice lesson, I give a free trial voice lesson. Here's my card. Some, most people throw them away, but some people don't. Um, and I think that's the single most important thing that's made me successful in music is just building relationships with people. And I think most users might be a little bit shy to promote themselves that way. And I, I encourage them not to be. Yeah. So what is, you kind of gave, it was very nice. What is one tip that you could give our audience to like get started thinking a little bit more about that or maybe how they could promote themselves in a way that feels good to them? Feels good to them. I think one of the, the defining things that really helped me was I created a good website. Um, and when I created a good website, I consulted with some really close friends and family. You know, I said, you know, okay, if you were to create a website for me, what would you put? What are my skill sets? What are my strong suits? What are the things that I could provide on a website? Rather than me, she does this and she does that. We're going to always sell ourselves short. We're our, and especially musicians, we are so 
hard on ourselves. That's why we're good. That's why we're so great at foreign language because we are going to get that German right. We are going to make those right sounds. You know, we're authentic and we're artists, but most of us are perfectionists to a fault. So when creating a website, we tend to downplay ourselves. And when you are a business, you cannot downplay yourself. You have to sell yourself. So go to the people who you know the best. Go to the people who love you and ask them, what, am, what is my personality? What am I like as a performer? What am I like as a teacher? And you may get a very fluffy response for them, but that's okay. That's what you should put on your website because you're uh, truly now if it's your mother and she goes you're the most beautiful little girl in the world don't put that i mean okay don't put that but ask perhaps your voice teacher in college or ask your high school choir director ask for recommendation letters and then literally pull out the quotes of something you say wow that's really nice and i wouldn't say that about myself but oh okay all right and build yourself a website. And it may just be like a Wix, Wix.com, like a free website, but then you're gonna know on writing, on a page, this is who I am as a professional. Once you've got it on writing and it's staring you in the face, when you're in conversation and you're having to present yourself to a potential client, to a potential um, business opportunity or church or whoever the entity may be, you're gonna have in the back of your mind what you need to be saying to this person should they ask the right questions. So I'd say yeah. a website's a good start. Or if somebody says something, you're like, I can do that. I, I, <laughs> Look, uh, I can do that. Because you've got, you've got that in the back of your mind. You've already written it out. And then another thing, business cards. A business cards. And maybe even, maybe even I, when I first got started with teaching, I did the little flyers. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of the website. Um, Google inexpensive business cards. I know there's a web Vistaprint. Vistaprint and Moo. It was Vistaprint. And I did little um, brochures. I, on the bottom, I put a little coupon for a free, um, I think, 30-minute observation introductory lesson. I got so many lessons and so many people signed up for lessons from that. I, I actually don't think I ever had someone not sign up using that. So I, I don't think I had a single person not sign up. I don't even remember. I had just, just new clients. And so I passed those out a lot. 100% and conversion rate. Will we I have, take it? I, I, I cannot remember a single person who did not sign up. Now, I remember there was like one who would sign up for four lessons. And that was it. But I, I do not remember ever in 10 years someone not signing up after that. So people like coupons. Don't ever do Groupon. Groupon's awful. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> They're terrible, <laughs> but business cards and brochures are great. So yeah, set your own rules. <laughs> set your own rules. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Well, this was great. So you talked about your website. Where can we find you? So Learn the more best about website. Yeah, please follow my new company. Please follow Practice Pal. Um, if you're a teacher, you're gonna love this. Um, the website is Cam C A M Zamanian Z A M anian.com and we are called digital publishing inc practice pal and it's going to be available soon and we're super excited to share all that we've been working on i can't wait to help students i can't wait to help parents and teachers and um i hope that this podcast has helped somebody 
think outside the box about music and the music industry. And I hope this maybe is thought provoking and that you can do so much with this business. And I love it. I wake up and do what I love every single day. And I hope that everyone listening does too. Yeah. I've learned to love the variety. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's going to throw you curveballs, and sometimes you're going to be exhausted, but you know what? You followed your passion. So that's, there's something to be said from that kind of bravery. Well, thank you so much. Thank I you. hope that you have a great day. And I know that you definitely helped some of our listeners with all of your fantastic ideas and experience. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Star Singer Podcast. If you are loving this podcast, if you are loving this content, you want to keep getting more amazing episodes just like this, I would absolutely love it. If you could take one minute out of your really busy day and leave a rating and review on iTunes, it really helps with our rankings and it's going to allow other singers to be able to find us and join you in your journey to singing better, giving your best performances, and giving amazing auditions. I would so appreciate an awesome rating and review. We're going for five stars here. So thank you so much.